You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90 Min. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simu, and on this edition of the show, we're going to be looking back on Arsenal's opening day defeat. A really, really disappointing night at Brentford. Arsenal kicking off their Premier League campaign in the worst possible way. The performance was atrocious. Um, The team just didn't look ready. The manager's got a lot to answer for. There are certain players that have got plenty to answer for as well. And we're going to get into all of that uh, during this show. I can see there are plenty of you in the live chat already, as I expected on a night like this. There's lots to unpack. There's lots to discuss. My Twitter has been popping off with people going, oh, what excuses is Harry going to come up with for Mikel Arteta tonight, etc., etc." Some of you we're even tweeting me, trust the process during the game. I mean, get a life and watch the game. Um, you know, it's as though we're in this place with Arsenal Football Club where we're, we've got fans that actually want Arsenal to fail so that they can say, I told you so, or so that they can make their point. And it's really, really frustrating. When you looked at that Arsenal team today, it wasn't good enough. It was never going to be good enough. And I think what's really worrying for me is that we spent large parts of last season looking at that front line and saying, it just isn't potent enough. Give Gabriel Martinelli a chance. Give Balogun a chance. And both of them were given a chance tonight. And I talk so much about, you know, I talk so much about players in their position when they get a chance needing to take it. And I don't really think they did, um, which is obviously disappointing. I'm not pinning the defeat on, on Gabriel Martinelli. I'm not pinning the defeat on following Balogun either. Please don't take it that way. What I'm saying is that when we play with Lacazette and Aubameyang, we look toothless. And when we change it up, even if it's because we're forced to, we still look toothless, which suggests that the problem is something to do with the way we're setting up, something to do with the patterns of play that we're coming up with. Um, you know, there, there are just so many issues when you look at that team. Um that, that, you know, you 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 look at and you, you're trying to work out what it is that needs to be done differently. I think I don't want to go through too much of kind of digging out individuals. The player ratings video will be dropping straight after this for our members. If you want to become a member, you can do so by clicking on the link in the description. But we all knew what we were going to get out of this game. We all knew we were going to go to a pumped up Brentford in front of a packed out stadium full of people who had been deprived of football for ages, raring to go, not only deprived of football, but a club that had been deprived of top flight football since the 1940s. Brentford were always going to be up for this and Arsenal just weren't. And that's the most frustrating thing about it. You know, sometimes you go into games and you look at it and you say, well, we were outplayed or we were the worst team on the night. And we were the worst team on the night tonight. But it's the way we lose these games. It's just so frustrating because it's not about us not being able to get the ball. 
it's not about us not being able to arrive in the final third, as Mikel Arteta said after the game. It's about having got into those positions, not being able to convert, not being able to put our opponents at threat in any way, shape or form. You look at the stats from tonight's game, 65% of the possession. Well, if you've got 65% of the possession and you cannot score a goal, you've got a problem. Brentford, every time they broke forward, looked more dangerous than we looked. And we had the ball pretty much all night. You know, you look at shots at goal. Arsenal had 22. Brentford had eight. Yet Arsenal only managed one more shot on target than Brentford did. Arsenal managed four. Four out of 22 is appalling. We're not able to convert. We haven't got any ideas. We haven't got a clue what we're supposed to be doing when we get into that final third. And the reason we do get into that final third is because teams allow us, teams allow us to have the ball in the wide areas. Teams allow Arsenal to move the ball into that position on the flank, knowing and trusting in the fact that they'll be able to defend whatever comes off the back of that. Now, tomorrow, we're going to do the tactical analysis. When I've watched the game back again, when I've got a call ahead. Uh, so stay tuned for that because that is coming uh, tomorrow. So I will definitely uh, sort of be going into some of these things on that episode. But how many times is Kieran Tierney, for example, going to get forward and nothing's going to come of the situation? And I don't even blame Kieran Tierney for that. Right. I don't even blame him. I don't think he's a bad crosser of the ball. I don't think he's a poor player when he gets into the final third. But when you see Arsenal getting forward in that position so often, there comes a point where your opponent, as I've just said, goes, let them have the ball in the wide areas. And as I say, we'll trust that we can defend it. Brentford have three absolute beasts um, of centre-halves. Put balls into the box, chip balls into the box of following Balogun. You're going to get no joy whatsoever. I could have told you that. You could have told me that. Yet we still do it. We still fall into that trap every single time. Arsenal desperately trying to play out from the back again. Didn't work. Inviting Brentford onto us. Brentford squeezing us high up the pitch and forcing us into a place where our back line is dropped all the way back to the edge of our six-yard box, and then we're deciding we're going to go long. And we're playing it long, and there's a massive gap between the defence, between the midfield and the forwards. You're playing it long, again, to follow in Balogun, who, again, you know, this is not his fault, but you're playing that long ball up to him. And you've got Ethan Pinnock, who's double his size, Pontus Janssen, double his size. They're eating those balls up all day long. And you cannot create anything. When Arsenal did have sustained spells of possession... Brentford shifted into that back five, three men across the middle, and you can't break them down because we lack the guile. We lack the creativity. You you kind of put this emphasis, or Mikel Arteta puts this emphasis on Kieran Tierney being our biggest outlet, our only outlet, really, down the left-hand side. And what does that do? It occupies the space that Gabriel Martinelli wants to operate in. And as a result, you push him in field into this inside left position. And it's the same thing that happens to Aubameyang when he plays there. And it's a nothing position. It is a nothing position. You want to start from wide, get on the ball and drive into those areas. You don't want to receive the ball in those areas because you'll very rarely get the ball without pressure all the way around you. And we almost nullify our own left forward by this constant desire to see our left back 
being the one getting in that position and being the one to put the ball in the box. What's wrong with changing it up from time to time? What's wrong with Kieran Tierney staying back now and again and Gabriel Martinelli being the one that stretches the opponent wide? Now, this is not me blaming Kieran Tierney, right? This is obviously an instruction. This is obviously the way Arsenal want to play. And for what it's worth, I think Kieran Tierney was one of two, maybe three players that can come away from that game with their heads held high. But the point here is that we are too predictable in every single thing that we do. Mikel Arteta's Arsenal are like an open book. Everybody can read it and everybody can slam it shut when they feel like it. Long balls don't work for us. And to top that, we struggled with coping with long balls from Brentford. The centre-halves tonight were poor. They were poor. And I am starting to worry about Ben White. You know, it's one game in and maybe I'm overreacting and maybe the emotion's taking over here, but I can't help it. You look at Ben White and my God, it was like watching a kid playing men's football tonight. He was bullied all over the place by Ivan Tony. Pablo Marie couldn't handle him either. And Buemo, another player who is very physical, very quick, very strong. Arsenal couldn't cope with him. And I said it, uh, no word of a lie. I was sitting there, I was watching the game um, and, and I said 15, 20 minutes into the game, if you're going to play against two centre forwards, you've got to adjust the way we defend. Because I talked earlier, didn't I, when I was showing the lineup that I thought might play the game tonight about how Arsenal do this thing where they where they almost shift the shape, push Kieran Tierney on, and it becomes a bit of a back three with Granit Xhaka dropping that little bit deeper and the defence shifting over. That is okay when you're trying to live with one centre-forward. When you're playing against two centre-forwards, though, um, it becomes an issue. It becomes an issue. And Arsenal should have done more, I think, having noticed that early on to rectify that. And again, tactical ineptitude, not there. And I think the the best way of, of summing up Arsenal under Mikel Arteta um, at the moment is, is this from Trevor Bibbins. We are so one-dimensional, Harry. You're absolutely right. And I think going into the new season, right, you, you need to have some optimism. You need to go into a season feeling excited, buzzing about it, hoping at the very least that there is going to be some improvement. Otherwise, what is the bloody point? What is the bloody point in, in following a football club? Like, the buzz is there every summer. It should be anyway. And I was very, very sort of <sighs> deliberate in the way that I kind of blocked out the noise from the preseason. And I didn't want to buy into uh, what had happened or, or read into, I should say, what had happened over that preseason too much. Because I think that's dangerous. I think what you can do is you can take some pointers from it. You can take some assessment from it. You can make some judgments from it. But it shouldn't be so kind of significant that people are losing their minds. But the minute you cross the white line on the first game of the season, then shit gets real and, and things get serious. And with Mikel Arteta, we're in a place now and and we're in a and I've said throughout the summer that I'll be judging him a lot more harshly from the beginning of this campaign, from when it really matters, Mikel Arteta needs to come under scrutiny. And the reality is that when you've got different players having the same struggles, then you have to look at what you're doing as a manager, the way you're setting them up, the patterns of play that you're encouraging them to stick to, the the philosophy. You know, Pep Guardiola sides are, are something that Mikel Arteta clearly, clearly models himself on. 
But the difference with Pep Guardiola's side is that if they have 65, 70% of the ball, you know that they've got the ability within them to make that count, to put their opponents to the sword more often than not. But even with them, we've seen games where they've looked, uh, you know, as though they were in complete control, but actually been quite toothless. But you're not talking about Riyad Mahrez, Kevin De Bruyne, Bernardo Silva, Raheem Sterling now, Jack Grealish as well, possibly Harry Kane in the future. You're not talking about that with Arsenal. You're talking about Emil Smith-Rowe, who I think has so much ability to his game, but his finishing is poor. You know, there's no doubt about that. I've, I've said it all summer. He doesn't score enough goals, and that's an area that he badly needs to improve in as we move forward. And I don't think... He covered himself in glory in one particular moment tonight where he kind of done a, a really fantastic turn, drove at the penalty area and just never really set himself right for the shot. And it was a really weak effort, easily saved by David Raya in the Brentford goal. Other than that, I thought he had a really good game, but it's that lack of ruthlessness. It's that lack of quality in key moments that Arsenal are missing. That's why our game plan needs to be different. It's why Mikel Arteta needs to stop being obsessed by what City do. Stop, you know, being obsessed with a certain philosophy and understand that you need to make adaptations that suit your team. You know, we got into that final third on numerous occasions. Nicola Pepe at times struggled to beat people. You looked at following Balogun again, don't want to dig him out because he's a young lad. I still think he's probably better off going on loan somewhere given an opportunity tonight, but rarely got the ball in decent positions, completely isolated. Gabriel Martinelli, again, shoved in field uh, into a kind of half position where he was unable to influence the game. And there comes a point where you've got to look at what the manager's doing. And I think that he is responsible overall for the performances of this team. Um, and at some point, the buck has to stop with him, you know. And, and for me... I think there were other decisions he made tonight that confused me a little bit. I mean, you've got Callum Chambers at right back. I picked him as well because I think he's shown flashes of of what he can do. But it was clear that Callum Chambers wasn't having a good game. It was clear he was giving us nothing as an attacking entity in the second half when we were chasing the game. We've got Cedric Bellerin and Maitland-Niles all capable of playing right back on the substitutes bench and he brings on a left back in Nuno Tavares to play right back. And that's the kind of thing that just leaves you as a fan with your, almost your head in your hands. Like, what are you doing? Burn Leno was terrible again, you know, terrible. I, I don't really blame him for the first goal. I've seen a lot of Arsenal fans on social media, jumping on him, you know, near post, etc., etc. I think it was a good strike. I think he, he didn't have great sight of it. I think that Arsenal had actually defended quite well up until that point. Xhaka made an actually very good clearance in the lead up to that goal. And Arsenal stupidly, naively, you know, Callum Chambers trying to clear the ball uh, from the byline and clearing it poorly. And it ends up in the back of the net. But Leno just doesn't inspire confidence to his back line. He looks so uncomfortable when he's got the ball at his feet. He puts players under pressure. There was a situation where he played the ball into Granite Xhaka who put his arm up to apologise straight away because he didn't realise that people were around him. That's poor on his part. He should be able to see that. He should be aware of his surroundings. But Bern Leno is the one looking out of the goal onto the pitch. Bern Leno is the one in the best position to make that decision. 
and make the correct decision. And he doesn't do that more often than not. He was bullied for the second goal. Again, people appealing for a foul there, maybe. Um, but if you watch it back again, I think Leno's got hold of the defender as well at, at some point in that move. So, you know, obviously I'm going to appeal for it. I'm an Arsenal fan. I've seen other people appealing for the ball, having gone out of play in the lead up uh, to Brentford's opener as well. From the angles we got, I think it's impossible to tell, quite frankly. So, again, I'm not going to go crazy about that. I'm only going to focus on the things that are within Arsenal's control because it wasn't robbery tonight, right? Arsenal fans out there will be defensive, will be not wanting to pin the blame on their own team, on their own players, and understand that we do that as fans. We can be tribal at times. But for me, you've got to look at what's missing in this Arsenal side. You've got to look at what's poor um, that we can control. And there are a lot of things, and uh, that's the big worry, you know, going into this season. Uh, let's take this super chat from Said Abdullah. Thank you very much, mate, for your uh, very kind donation. He said, Harry, can we speak on Leno? He's so poor. We need a new goalkeeper. I don't trust him. And I think our defenders don't trust him. I, I agree. Um, he's not good enough. He's not good enough. For every brilliant save that Bern Leno makes, and he does make some brilliant saves, you get moments like that, moments where he's bullied, where he's not commanding enough, where his distribution is, quite frankly, dog shit. And what's even more confusing about the goalkeeping situation uh, right now, for me, is we signed uh, we signed Renarsson, right, midway through last season. We bought Alex Renarsson in. Wasn't good enough. Fair enough, okay? But how has he gone so far down the pecking order that he's not even on the bench tonight or not even in the squad? How is How are Arsenal sort of assessing this goalkeeping situation? Because we started pre-season games with Arthur Oconquo in goal. This next big talent, people that, you know, people were kind of, you know, people were building him up. People were talking about him as the next best thing. And Cole Hines starts on the bench tonight. It's just there's so many mixed messages coming out of this club at the moment that it's really, really difficult to stay positive. It's really difficult uh, to stay, you know, on the right side of that line. I think for me, you know, I have tried to defend Mikel Arteta. I do think that a lot of the issues at the football club are outside of his control. I do think that a lot of the issues are issues that stem from a time prior to his arrival. And for that, I have some sympathy. But when you watch Arsenal perform like that, not for the first time, you've got to start to question what he's doing as well. And, I, and I've said it all along from this season, there will be a lot more scrutiny on Mikel Arteta from me. And there should be. There was a stat that came up during the game, 14 games in the Premier League, Arsenal had gone in at half-time trailing and Arsenal hadn't won a single one. Does that mean that Mikel Arteta is struggling to motivate them at half-time? Does that mean that Mikel Arteta is not acting in the right way, i.e. making changes, i.e. shifting things tactically to get Arsenal back into some of these games? I don't know. I really don't know. But it's worrying. It's concerning. As I put in the title, it's the worst possible start to the season. And with Chelsea and Manchester City to come, you feel like the pressure is going to increase even further um, on uh, on Mikel Arteta. You know, it's um, it's a worry. It's a big, big worry for me. As I said in a tweet during the game, I was more annoyed about the lack of threat, more annoyed about the slow tempo in our build up, 
more annoyed about the lack of ideas when we get into the final third and the predictability of Arsenal in those attacking positions than the actual goals we conceded individually. And that, for me, is annoying because it's something that we've seen time and time again. Two things we've seen constantly under Mikel Arteta are giving away cheap goals. Although our defensive record overall has been better, and I think as a unit we've improved defensively, those lapses in concentration are still clearly there. And again, I don't want to crucify Ben White. I don't want to go in too hard on a player who's just made his Premier League debut for Arsenal. But at £50 million, I want a centre-half that's coming in and is transforming my defence. I want a centre-half that is coming in and having an immediate impact that is making the players around him better. And I actually thought that alongside him, Pablo Marie looked worse. I thought Callum Chambers looked worse. I, I don't see what benefit he brought to the side tonight. And yes, it's a debut, bit of a baptism of fire going away to Brentford, newly promoted club, very physical with their strikers and physical in the way they go about things. But for me, I expect more for £50 million. And if at the end of the transfer window, we are still experiencing the same issues, Ben White doesn't come good, um, you know, we're, we're still struggling, then as much as I dislike the Cronkies, you, you have to then start to ask questions about Arsenal and, and the players that have been brought in, the people that have decided to bring them in. Because I can tell you this, Josh Cronkey is not sitting in his ivory tower in the United States picking our players. He's given that job to people within the club. And we're never going to compete with Chelsea and Man City financially. We've talked about this before, so I don't want to get into that conversation again. But those players that we are bringing in still have to be of a certain level. And if we're talking about our inability to compete financially, then spending 50 million on someone that doesn't improve the team is criminal. It is criminal. And Mikel Arteta and Edu will live and buy, uh, live and die, sorry, by those kinds of decisions. So I hope that Ben White comes good. I think in theory, Ben White was a good sign-in. But I am worried after seeing him in that environment. Gary Neville made the point post-match that playing centre-half in a back two is very different to playing in a back three. And it is. And I actually think that Arsenal probably would have been better served tonight playing with a back three against Brentford's front two. And trying to, if we were going to try and play with width, using wing backs to try and do that. But, you know, we didn't. And I think that Ben White clearly isn't accustomed to playing in a back two and he's got to learn quickly. This is Arsenal Football Club. This is not Brighton and Hove Albion. You know, Brighton and Hove Albion, you have a game, a good game once every two, three weeks, you'll be in the news. And when you don't play that well, well, it's Brighton and Hove Albion with all due respect. It's not going to be front pages. It's not going to be headlines. It's not going to be that big a deal. But at Arsenal, you're under constant scrutiny because this is a huge football club. And performances like tonight's are not acceptable at Arsenal Football Club. Whether you back the manager or not, you cannot be pleased. And there's no way of putting a positive spin on what we saw tonight. It's a really frustrating evening. Um, we're going to do the tactical analysis tomorrow, as I said, because uh, for me, um, I want to watch the game back again. I always watch the game back for a second time. I want to break it down. I want to analyse it a little bit more. And uh, then we can kind of try and work out what exactly it was that went wrong. But initial reaction is too predictable in our attacking play. Toothless when we got into the final third. 
not solid enough defensively, played into Brentford's hands, made silly mistakes, gave away cheap goals. And it's that cycle, that same cycle that's been going around over and over again. And every time you think Arsenal are making progress under Mikel Arteta, it feels like we go back into this slump. And look, the season has started now. There's no more excuses. Mikel Arteta, if you don't do the job, if you can't hack it, then you got to go. Um, because if we're talking about people, you know, changing uh, or, or the club being run in a different way, you can forget that right now. While the Cronkies are there, that's not going to happen. I wouldn't sack him tonight. I'm not one of those. Um, for me, he is someone that, you know, he's going to get further time. I said previously that 10 games in, we would be able to make a bit of a, a more informed decision on, on how far he's taken the team or if he's taken us anywhere at all. But you fear that if we do lose the next couple of games off the back of what we saw tonight, his position is going to be untenable. He's going to be in a place where the majority of the fan base are going to be on his back, are going to be calling for his head. And um, and that's a really horrible environment to be working in. And sometimes it gets too toxic, as we saw with Unai Emery at the end, and you just have to move that manager on. Uh, I want to say a big thank you to Erhan for your very, very kind Super Chat donation, mate. Thank you so much. Hope you're well. Um, and uh, yeah, as you say, painful. That's exactly the right word. Thank you, mate. Uh, really, really appreciate that. Uh, let's move on uh, through the Super Chats. We're going to take some uh, more of your questions in a couple of minutes time. But let me just work through the Super Chats. Uh, Marble Halls TV says, Mikel should have gone months ago. He's inept. Maria's crap. White, worst debut I've ever seen in years. Emil Smith, Rojaka, Lokonga and Tierney were the only goods. I want Conte with a joke of world football. Yeah, definitely agree with you on, on most of that. I thought that Lokonga uh, did okay. Uh, without being spectacular, I thought he did okay. Again, you know, making a Premier League debut must have been difficult for him. He's a young lad. Um, I thought he coped okay for the most part. I thought Xhaka was okay as well. It wasn't Xhaka's best game for me, uh, but I don't think he, him and Lokonga were the issue. I think the centre-backs uh, were a much bigger weakness than the centre of our midfield this evening. Uh, let's move on. We've got uh, another super chat from uh, Matios. Uh, let me just find that one because the chat is constantly updating. He says, Today loss, today's loss is 100% on Arteta and his tactics. He chose to focus on the left-sided attack over and over again, just cross with no one there to receive. Yeah, echoing the point I made earlier on. We are so bloody predictable. And, and the frustrating thing, and I'll talk about it more in the tactical show tomorrow. Join me for that one. Um, I think I'm going to do it at... I don't know, time to be confirmed. I'm going to do it at some point tomorrow morning. But the problem is with that that ploy and that plan is if you do it over and over again, it's too predictable. But what Mikel has done in a nutshell is he has geared our team and our shape and the way we shift our shape so much around this particular pattern of play that if we try something else, we leave ourselves vulnerable defensively. It's as though that is the only way that he thinks we can break teams down. And again, I'll go back to the point I made earlier on. If you're coming up against six foot plus centre halves and you're asking Kieran Tierney to drop balls into the penalty area for following Balogun or for Eddie Nketiah, if he plays or for Alexander Lacazette, it just ain't going to work. You know, it just ain't going to work. And, and for me, 
that's that's the biggest frustration I have coming out of this game. You know, the goals that we conceded, they happen, right? Brentford were absolutely buzzing uh, to be back in the league. Oh, I say back, they haven't been in the Premier League before, to be in the top flight. But there's got to be more variation to Arsenal's game. I talked about spontaneity in the attacking third many times last season. And it's really disappointing to see that we've not. that's not changed. That's not changed over the course of the summer. You always hope, don't you, that they will find uh, a way and that they will, you know, they will develop and improve and, and work on the things that clearly were not good enough last season. And you look at that and on the first evidence, and granted it is just the first game of the season, but on that early evidence, it looks as though we haven't improved all that much. What's the solution? Do you sack him? I don't think you sack him now. I don't think you sack any manager after one game um, into the season. I think, granted, you know, people are frustrated and disappointed because of what's gone on before before that, um, because of how last season went. And I get all of that. Um, but I think if you if you put your faith in him throughout the summer, you've, I'm not going to say fully backed him because I don't think the club have, but if you're going to back him as far as you're going to back anyone, then you have to give him longer than the first game of the season. But the pressure's on, Mikel. There's no doubt in a, There's no doubt about it. You know, there's no doubt about it. Go and lose to Chelsea at home next week. Go and lose to City the week after. And I'll tell you what, the pitch, pitchforks will be out for Mikel Arteta. The pitchforks will be out. And um, the reason I was a few minutes late on this live, because I, I went to watch the game with my dad and my two brothers and we we sat and we watched the game and I set the stream up from there and my plan was set it up with enough notice, watch Mikel Arteta's post-match interview. Soon as that's done, jump in the car, drive home. And the reason um, I'm a couple of minutes late is because I waited and waited and waited and waited to hear from Mikel Arteta. And to be honest, I wish I didn't bother. I wish I didn't bother. It was like listening to a politician. It was really, really frustrating. Every press conference he gives now, every interview he gives, he's starting to get on my nerves a little bit. And is that a sign that I'm turning? I, I, I don't know. I really don't know. But I'm not happy. I'm, I'm frustrated. I'll probably look at it with a calmer head tomorrow. Um, that's why we always do the tactical show the next day. Um, but, you know, this is raw reaction. This is frustration. This is disappointment. And um, I guess we'll go again and, and we'll look at it again a little bit further down the line. Uh, just a couple of quick messages before we continue. Get your questions in the live chat. Um, I'd love to hear from you. Pop a little cue at the beginning uh, so that I can pick those out in the chat. But first of all, I just want to say a big thank you to our sponsors, Manscaped. Head over uh, to their website for all your male grooming needs. You can check them out uh, by clicking on the link in the description. Use our discount code 90 min 20 and you shall receive 20% off. But I also want to let you guys know about the return of the brilliant game, Le Bomb. Le Bomb is back uh, for another season, and I'm going to be playing once again this weekend with uh, Rory Jennings. Uh, I'm sure you recognize from YouTube. Elliot Hackney uh, going to be playing with Boovy as well. Uh, we're all involved. It's going to be great fun. Uh, predictions, little league. 
where you can basically play against your mates. Check it out. Download the app, Le Bomb. You must be 18 UK residents play. Uh, and what you can do is basically set up a little competition with your friends. You literally bet against your friends rather than the bookmakers. So you'll be going on there. You set the stakes and it makes it all the more satisfying, doesn't it? When you take the money away from your friends rather than the bookmakers. It gives you the bragging rights, Le Bomb, fantastic game. Download the app. The link will be in the description. Check it out. Uh, the deadline to register for this weekend, to play this weekend, is tomorrow, midday on Saturday uh, at 12.30. So uh, make sure you hurry up uh, if you want to play this weekend. But you can play going forward as well, of course. So the Le Bomb app, check them out, and we thank them for their support as well. Uh, of the Chronicles of Aguna podcast. Right, let's take some of those questions. Um, let's see uh, what we've got here. Um, Eric Welch says, uh, why don't you think it's okay to say Arteta out now? We won't be mad that you changed your mind now that you have enough info to do so. Uh, the reason I'm saying it's not... Wait, hold on. Let's get this clear. I'm not even saying it's wrong to say Arteta out now, if that's how you feel. What I can't stand is people doing so without reason, doing so without putting together a good argument and a good case. Just saying Mikel Arteta shit, get him out, is not enough for me. I want to know what you think is wrong. Like, I'll tell you what I think is wrong. I think that Arsenal are too predictable in their build-up play. I think that we are very one-dimensional. I think that we've brought in players that I'm not sure now are going to strengthen the team. I think that we've, um, you know, we've become very predictable. As I, That's the big one for me, the, the predictability. I think that Mikel Arteta is coming to a point in his Arsenal career where he really has to turn it around or, or, or not. And, and in that case, the club have to make the decision. I don't think it's wrong to say Arteta out now if that's how you feel. I think it's wrong to think that Mikel Arteta, though, is the only problem at Arsenal. And that's what I've said all summer. I think if you don't rate him and you don't think he's the man to take us forward, that's a fair enough opinion to have. I think the way you voice that opinion is very important. I think it should be voiced in the right way, in a respectful way. Uh, it can be voiced in an emotional way, but in a way where you're not personally attacking a human being, you're talking about his football management and that's fair. Um, but I just, I don't think that the club will sack him now. I don't think you should sack a manager after one defeat, off the back of one defeat. I think last season he got away with a lot, but I think in the club's eyes, rightly or wrongly, last season was a bit of a free. Um, it was a bit of a free pass. It was a bit of a gimme uh, for Mikel Arteta. And now the pressure's on. But if you're going to start that sort of, Let's get the let's start scrutinizing it more now. This season, you can't then after one game pull the trigger. That's all I'm saying. Uh, what else have we got here? Um, Josh Hunter says, uh, Why do we aimlessly take long shots? Yeah, we've got some pretty bad long range shooters, haven't we, in that football team? But I mean, for me, I, I don't really have an issue with Arsenal trying shots sometimes from the edge of the box, but I think what you're seeing in some of those efforts is a uh, is players that get the ball in those positions and have absolutely no idea what they want to do with it from then on in. Um, Black Sheep Soup says, Harry, you're smarter than this, bro. We need you to be a voice of reason. Stop telling uh, people Arteta has techno. I'm not telling people to to call for his head, though, am I? I'm just pointing out the things that I don't feel 
um, that I don't feel are right in that side at the moment. And I think there are a lot. Uh, Hussein says, has Arteta lost the dressing room, mainly the senior players? I saw a lot of people um, react to the pre-match interview that Mikel Arteta get, got when, uh, did, sorry, it's late, uh, that Mikel Arteta did when uh, he was asked about Oba and Laka's uh, absence. And then there was quite a bit of reaction to that from people saying, oh, he was laughing when he said it. I didn't, I, I did watch it. Uh, I was driving at the time, but when I arrived, I, I found it on the Sky Sports Premier League Twitter account. And I didn't think it was anything really. Um, is he losing the dressing room? I don't know. I certainly think there will be players, senior players in that dressing room who will be looking at some of the methods and, and will no doubt having played football at the top level and at the highest level will now that no doubt be looking at some of those performances back and probably seeing a lot of the things that we're seeing. And I think there will be questions asked about Mikel Arteta from within the camp, whether they'll go and ask him, I don't know whether they'll bring it up, whether they'll have the balls to do that remains to be seen from kind of, you know, from fear of, of Mikel kind of banishing them the way he's banished other players in the past. But I think there will be, players who, if not vocally, are, are feeling a little bit worried, a little bit concerned about what they're seeing so far. Uh, Lung Burkamp says, are you really that delusional that you thought everything would be fine with Arteta after 8th and 8th? Or are you just begging for a couple of questions at post-match pressers and tea and biscuits at Emirates? What a ridiculous comment this is. Um, I didn't realise it was this ridiculous when I started reading it. Um, I thought you were going to ask... Uh, if I really thought that everything would be fine, which is a fair enough question, but to suggest that um, that I've been defending him to get a couple of questions at a post-match press conference and tea and biscuits is, is ridiculous. Because actually, if you're an accredited journalist, you'll get in uh, if you apply via the right channels, regardless of your view on Mikel Arteta. That is absolute nonsense. Um, so I'm not even going to entertain that one. Um, no, I didn't think everything would automatically be fine. Uh, but I thought that, we had to give him a chance this season. We had to see how it was going to pan out because I didn't draw a conclusion on how the 2021-22 campaign uh, was going to be a, a, a disaster and was going to crash and burn before it even kicked off. That means I'm begging for post-match press conference questions. Absolute nonsense. Uh, what else have we got here? Um, how many games do you think Arteta has before he's gone? If this continues, Harry... Uh, I think that Mikel Arteta has probably got a lot longer than than most people would want him to have. I think that, you know, probably up to Christmas, I think Arsenal will will be sort of looking at the situation and reviewing the situation. I think the fan pressure will potentially speed up that process of him being sacked if that is indeed what's going to happen uh, at some point this season. But it's really, really difficult because, you know, football is is a funny old game and you can you can lose to Brentford and you could quite easily go and beat Chelsea next week, you know, because that's the kind of game football is. And, and all of a sudden you've still got a three point return from those two games, which is what you'd have expected. And if you'd got three points at Brentford, but lost to Chelsea, nobody would really bat an eyelid. So football's a strange game like that. Um, you know, and, uh, and so I, it's hard to really put a number, uh, on it. I've got to say, um, what else have we got here? Uh, da, 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 da. Uh, Kamal says, uh, if we lose our first three home games, you see the home games being toxic. I think they'll be toxic now. Um, I really do. 
I really do. I think that you're going to get that atmosphere at the game against Chelsea. I think, look, the initial buzz of being back at the Emirates Stadium will be huge, full capacity crowd. It's going to be fantastic. But there will be people um, who are bitterly frustrated uh, by what they've seen, who are really struggling to, to stay behind the, the manager and what he's doing so far and um, and what he's done so far and, and how they expect him to take the team forward. And as a result, when things go bad, i.e. you can see the goal, you give the ball away, you don't play poorly, you're allowing Chelsea to control the game, there's naturally going to be discontent and that does filter through uh, to the pitch for sure. Uh, I'm going to take a couple more questions. Um, I saw a super chat just trying to find it because the chat is constantly updating. Bear with me uh, while I find that. In the meantime, if you haven't done so, please do hit that like button on the video. There's over 680 of you watching us on the multiple platforms live right now. There'll be plenty more overnight, more of you tomorrow, I'm sure. Um, listening back to this raw uh, kind of review of Arsenal's 2-0 defeat at Brentford. But please do hit that like button. It really, really does help. Subscribe to the channel if you're new as well. And if you wish to become a member, uh, you can do so. There is a player ratings video that's going to drop uh, just uh, shortly after I end this live for our members as well, uh, which you can check out. So if you want access to that, uh, check the link in the description. It gives you all the information there. Uh, this one came from Anwesh, uh, very uh, kind uh, of you Anwish to uh, donate to the channel thank you so much he says it's not Arteta's fault Arsenal used to lose a lot in the opening day when they were ending in the top four to be fair Arsenal treated this like a pre-season while Brentford played it like a cup final I think I don't want to overreact to the first game of the season so I'm not going to say Arsenal aren't going to achieve their objectives off the back of this one game the fact that you think Arsenal treated this like a pre-season friendly, though, while Brentford saw it as a bit of a cup final, says a lot about the mentality of the team, doesn't it? They weren't ready to get themselves up for it. They weren't fired up. They weren't in the right mindset, uh, seemingly going into the Premier League opener. And I hope that Arsenal would have been readier. I hope that Arsenal were going to peak at this point. You know, we talked about the pre-season being underwhelming and quite often, you know, having interviewed uh, managers and, and players and stuff over the years. I've been told quite a few times that actually pre-season is about managing your rise to fitness so that you are at your peak when the season kicks off, not during pre-season. But it, it appears that Arsenal have miscalculated that as well. Uh, what have we got here? Um, people talking about replacements already in the chat. Big hello to Paps the Gunai says, Always thought Benitez would be someone we needed to steady the ship. Yeah, look, Arsenal took a massive gamble on Mikel Arteta. There's no, whether you're a fan of his or not, there's no getting away from that. You know, you've you've essentially given someone who's not done the job before um, almost free reign by promoting him to manager as well of a really, really big football club. And unfortunately, if you can't handle the heat, you've got to stay out of the kitchen, as they say, because, you know, it's not doing anybody any favours at the moment. And look, I hope Mikel turns it around. I hope he does. I hope we have a successful or semi-successful season even. I hope we are um, at least able to finish in the top six and hopefully continue uh, on a little bit further, maybe push for the top four. I think top six is a realistic expectation of Arsenal this season. On that performance tonight, we're not getting anywhere near it. And that's the big worry. That's the big concern. But as I say, it is um, early days try uh not to react too much or overreact is is the word you can react they try not to overreact 
I think that's important. I think that we need to be behind the team going into the game against Chelsea because it's going to be a tough enough game as it is. But I understand everybody's frustrations tonight. You've probably seen mine spill over a little bit um, when normally I like to try and be a bit calmer, a, a little bit cooler. But when you build up to the season the way we have, when you're so excited that it's back and you end up watching a performance like that, it's very hard to believe that any positive work has been done over the summer. And I completely get that. Uh, I really, really do. Uh, right. I think uh, we are going to leave it there for tonight. Remember, we'll be back tomorrow morning for the uh, tactical uh, analysis of the game. Going to watch the game back first thing. Uh, come, I've got some notes already, but going to add to that and hopefully bring you a comprehensive analysis of what I think tactically went wrong for the Arsenal tonight. Um, really disappointing night, disappointing start to the season, of course. Try and sleep tonight. Try and put it behind you. That's um, all we can do at this point. Make sure you've hit that like button. If you haven't done so already, make sure you're subscribed to the channel. If you're new, check out our membership scheme if you'd like. And for our members, in around about 15 minutes, you're going to have a uh, members-only player ratings bit of content as well. That is only available on YouTube, uh, not on the audio platform. So members, get yourselves over there. Um, also, just a quick reminder, once again, download the La Bomb app. It's a fantastic app if you want to get involved, if you want to take on your friends uh, and win the bragging rights within your little group. Uh, you set the stakes, you predict the Premier League scores for the remainder of the weekend. The deadline to sign up for this weekend is 12.30 tomorrow. That's UK time. Get involved. Uh, it's a great game and I look forward to keeping you up to date on how I get on against the lads this coming weekend. Right, I'll catch you all very, very soon. Sorry it wasn't as positive as it normally is, but it is what it is. Arsenal uh, have made it that way uh, with a really, really underwhelming opening day display. But we live to fight another day and fingers crossed we see a dramatic improvement against Chelsea next weekend. I'm sure we'll be talking about this plenty more over the course of the next few days. Uh, and as I say, tune in for tomorrow's programmes. I'll catch you all very soon. Good night. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.